Good morning, Trinity. It's, it's such a privilege for me again to be to be here sharing with you guys. Uh, as Tim was sharing, uh, it's, it's also uh, for us we feel really welcome in this church and sharing time with Tim and especially uh, Christian is. It's really hard to be with Christian in the same house, but you can see the gospel at work, you see? So we came to love him as well. Uh, oh, honestly, it's such a privilege for all when, when you allow uh, your leadership to go to Colombia to serve the churches in Colombia because they are not only serving Mission Rescate, but several churches over there. So thank you for allowing the time, the resources, financial, everything. Uh, to be with us over there serving the churches, pastors, their families. So thank you. Thank you for that. Please receive greetings from the church in Barranquilla, a warm, warm city in this moment. Caribbean is very warm, so I'm feeling the cold weather of Florida. I was so happy because we were in Georgia last week, and we were, like, really frozen over there. But I told my wife and, and, and Sarita and Andrea, don't worry, next week we will be in Florida. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> here we are. Uh, we are very grateful to be here. So um, receive greetings from the church. We are doing, we are doing good by God's grace. Uh, just a couple of sharing. Uh, two weeks ago, we installed for the first time deacons. So we are very, very happy, grateful with the Lord for allowing us to do that. It, it was more difficult to find deacons than pastors. I, I don't know why, but that was the case. Um, so we are happy for that. Very uh, grateful with the Lord. Also, the church is growing. I think having the same, uh, it's a good problem to have. Like so many people coming, so many people wanting to be part of the church, so many people really deciding to honor Christ. Uh, so at the same moment, it's like, okay, we have uh, limited space. So I totally understand what you are going through. We are having the same questions in this very moment. Uh, that's one of the reasons next April we are planting a church over there. So please pray for us uh, while we are doing that. So we, we will be planting a church in the south part of the city, very difficult area, very poor, a lot of violence, gangs. So uh, we are very excited to see what the Lord will do in that area, sharing the gospel over there. So please pray because in this moment, uh, there are families considering to go um, um, support that uh, church planting. So that will be, um, so uh, uh, they remove the, the, the screenshot. Um, when Tim uh, texted me and invited me to be with you guys preaching today in this mission series, uh, I was thinking about Philippians chapter 1 when Paul is speaking about how everything he went through in jail was helping to the advance of the gospel, but the Lord decided to preach something other text. So uh, I'm going to be in the book of Job. Also, if you go with me, please, to your Bible, we will be covering chapter 3, all chapter 3 to verse all the way through chapter 4, verse 6. So if you have it, uh, let's pray together. Let's go before our dear God um, and pray for his wisdom, uh, the Holy Spirit to allow us to understand. Lord, thank you. Thank you for for this opportunity to be gathering together, to worship you, to honor you, to uh, acknowledge that you are God and we are not, that you are our king and we are not, that you are the one in control and we are not. So allow us to, to find comfort in, in those truths. You love us. You gave yourself on our behalf. You forgive our sins on that cross, putting our transgressions on Jesus. So in this morning, we, we confess our sins again, but also we confess our hope right. in your mercy, in your grace, in your faithfulness. Lord, I, I, I am not worthy to preach your word. There is no man who can achieve this task in the way it's supposed to be done because I still, I'm still a sinner. I have a lack uh, in every aspect of my life, intellectually speaking, physically speaking, spiritually speaking. But at the same time, we confess that we trust in your Holy Spirit. So we ask you in Jesus' name that every single word that might come in an imperfect way out of my mouth, you take it in a perfect way to every single heart. 
So produce fruit yeah. for Jesus' glory. Yeah. Amen and amen. So if you, if you read with me, uh, I will ask you uh, if you could stand up, not because of me, but because we are in the presence of the mighty God and this is his word. So we will be reading the, the chapter and forgive. Uh, you, you, you need to ask again for the gift of tongues to understand. There is a lot of difficult words in this text, even in Spanish. So, uh, Chapter 3, verse 1. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, Let the day perish on which I was born, and the night that say a man is conceived. Let the day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it. Let clouds dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. That night, let thick darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful cry enter it. Let those curse it who curse the day, who are ready to rose up Leviathan. Let the stars of, this, of its down be dark. Let it hope for light, but have none nor see the highlights of the morning, because it did not shut the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not die of birth, come out from the womb and expire? Why did the knees receive me, or why the breast that I should nurse? For then I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept, then I would have been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who rebuild ruins from their self, or with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver, or why was I not as hidden a stillborn child, as infants who never see the light? There were the weak cease from troubling, and there the weary are at rest. There the prisoners are at ease together. They hear not the voice of the taskmaster. The small and the great are there, and the slave is free from his master. Why is light given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter in soul? Who long for death, but it comes not, and dig for it more than for hidden treasures, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave? Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden from whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. For the things that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. Then Elipha the Timonite answered and said, If one ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? Yet, who can keep from speaking? Behold, you have instructed many, and you have strengthened the weak hands. Your words have of helping who was stumbling, and you have made firm the feeble knees. But now it has come to you, and you are impatient. It touched you, and you are dismayed. Is not your fear of God your confidence, and the integrity of your ways your hope? Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Please open our minds, open our ears, open our eyes so we can understand what you want from this word to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, please. It's a difficult text. And you, might be, you might be thinking, so what is the mission here? I thought we were considering sending people to Alex's church. What are we going to do with this? So please have a little patience with me. There are two main characters that we can identify in this, in this text that we just read. We have Job, who is complaining, who is wishing basically two main things. One, that he wasn't born at all. And after that, he is wishing to die. It's basically what the text is saying in all chapter 3. I want to die. If I will die... I will be abreast, so no having any trouble. And then we have this, this guy who is a, a friend of Job, Eliphaz the Timonite, who is basically telling Job, rebuking Job, 
what are you speaking like that? Job, you, you know the truth. So, so often you have been the one providing counseling, comforting people, calling people out like, hey, this is the way to live. And now, Job, you are going through some suffering and everything that you were teaching, everything you knew, looks like you already forgot it. So let me ask you this question. You don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to say it out loud. But I, I, I want you, I need you for, for, for the purpose of the message that you answer this question. Who is right according to your understanding of the Bible? Who would you say is the, is the person speaking in a right way? Job? The guy who is complaining, the guy who is like, oh, I wish I didn't, I wasn't born at all. The guy who is saying, oh, well, all my life is troubled. I want to die. Or Eliphaz, the Timonite, who is saying, hey, Job, this is not the way to talk about God. Who would you go with? Who would you consider is right according to the Bible? So take two seconds. Look at me so I can understand a little bit where you're going. Okay. <laughs> Some of you even second one. Okay. When I did this exercise in our local church in Barranquilla, people, you know, people the Caribbean, so I said, you don't have to talk, but everybody talks. And everybody say, almost everybody say, like, Eliphaz, he's right. He's speaking the truth. You should not be speaking about God like this. So let's go to the Bible and see what the Bible says about these two guys. So if you go with me to the end of the book of Job, chapter 42, we will see God's perspective so we can make to a good conclusion. Job 42, and we will go back to chapter 3 in a minute. You have it? So please, uh, let's read verses 7 through 9 in chapter 42. <laughs> After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Timonite, My anger burns against you. Oh. Let's read it again. <laughs> the Lord said to Eliphaz the Timonite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. That's interesting. I don't know about you, but this is pretty awesome. Because according to God, Job is right. And let's, let's read verse 8. Now, therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourself. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayers not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So... Eliphaz the Timonite and Bildad the Shunite and so far the Namatid went and did what the Lord had told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayers. That's incredible. Because according to the Bible, the one who is speaking the truth, the one who is speaking in a, in a good way about God is Job. But my first, my first inclination when I read this text for the first time was, oh, no. The Eliphaz is right. Eliphaz is telling the truth. You are not supposed to talk uh, about life, about God, the way Job is speaking. So why is this important for us in this morning? Why is this important for mission consideration in this morning? So let me tell you a story. It's a true story from the 19th century uh, uh, that might, might help us a little bit, is I, I don't know how familiar you might be with clowns. I, I'm speaking about real clowns. So maybe you said, never in life. Well, there, there, was a f there was a time when there was no Hollywood stars. So the clowns were the big stars. The clowns were the main characters. People were following up. And there was this guy, a clown called Garif. And Garif was the most well-known clown in Europe. Every kingdom, every king, every lord, every important people who has enough money to hire him, they would do it. And the, 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 uh, 
well-known thing about Garif is that he was able to take every single person who was going through a suffering time or having depression or being sad, and he was so funny that people at the end ended laughing and feel good. So the story tells that someday one person, one man, a wealthy man, went to a doctor because he was going through a deep depression. So the doctor tried to help him out, do some prescription, but nothing seems to work. So at the end, the doctor said, you know, there is nothing I can do for you from medicine perspective, but you seem wealthy. So I think the only thing that might be working for you is that you find somehow Gavrif, hire him, and he will help you to get out of this depression. So the story goes like the man look at the doctor and say, well, that's not going to help me. So the doctor say, why not? Don't you have enough money to pay for Gavrif uh, entertainment? And he said, yeah, I could pay him, but it won't work. So the doctor say, why not? And he answered back, because I am Gavrif. He was Garif. He was making everybody laugh. He was making everybody happy. But he was just um, a sad man wearing a mask. He was just a sad man using makeup. So people thought that he was happy. And I believe that at some point in the church, we are like Garif. We are wearing makeup. We are using masks just to make people that we are good, that we are just uh, striving in life, that we are always trusting God, that we are always like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know this trouble, but God is sovereign, so I'm trusting God, and let's continue on mission. But later we leave the church, and we don't feel like it. So I believe that at some point we have more in common with Garif than we tend to admit. And in our text, what we see is that Sometimes there are seasons in life, and, and I'm speaking about truly believers. There are seasons in times when, when we find only comfort in the idea of living this world. God, take me away. Please, make it happen soon. I don't want to continue living. And only the idea of the eternal city will bring comfort to those hearts in those moments. But our problem is that Joseph, Job's friends, we don't want to admit it, and we want to bring good theology, which is good. And one of the things I love about Trinity is that we are very related as churches because we love sound doctrine as well, and you love sound doctrine. You love the word of God, but we just want to bring good theology and think that, okay, this will solve it. Immediately, So you will be happy because I will remind you about these main doctrines of the Bible. But that's not what Job is allowing us to see in this morning. So let's go to our text and see what the Lord has for us. Because you may be expecting, okay, hostile living, doing mission in a hostile world. That's Colombia. It's very difficult. New president. A lot of stuff going on. Yes, that's true. We could be speaking about that. It could be a good sermon as well. But I want to remind you that you still live in a hostile world. And that sometimes, not you guys because you are too holy, but sometimes the local church is a hostile world. Sometimes we feel like it. Sometimes even with good intentions, we make things more difficult for people struggling and suffering. So... Point number one out of this text, I, I love how, how chapter three begins because it goes like after this. And after this reminds us that there was something before. Yeah, that's pretty obvious, right? So I'm so smart. So <laughs> after this, but what is after this? After this means after chapter one and two. You see, it's very easy. But chapter 1 and 2 are very important, are key passages, are key texts in, our, in, our, in the whole book of Job because after this remind us that when Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth, there is something that happened before. 
Uh, and what I want you to consider this morning, dear brothers and sisters, is that when you see somebody suffering in the church, when you find a brother, it even can be your spouse, can be your parents, can be your children in the, in the house, somebody in, in your small group, community group, that is struggling, that, that looks sad, I, I want you to pause and think that every story has a beginning. So we, we, are, we, we tend to be really fast because we don't want to deal with suffering. We don't want to deal with people crying. We don't want to deal with people like saying, oh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't know what's going to happen with my life. So we want to fix people right away. We want to make everybody like, okay, say the right answer. We want people like, yeah, just uh, rise up your hands and say, Jesus is great, and everybody will be happy. But we need to take time to know the story behind those tears. We need to take time to understand why this guy's anger, what's happening here, why he's saying in the small group, I, I don't want to go to church next Sunday. Repent. Yeah, there is time for rebuke and say, well, that's not the proper answer, brother, but why? So chapter 3 reminds us there is something prior to this. And in this case, in Job's case, if, if you haven't read the book, I, I don't have the time. I'm already in, in half of the sermon, so I, I'm in trouble. <laughs> in, this, in this case, chapter 1 and 2 is providing one of the most difficult narratives in the entire Bible. Because basically, the Bible is saying that God thinks about Job and, he, and says, Job is a good guy. He, he fears God. He's always trying to honor me. He, he lives with integrity. But Satan, the devil, goes to God and is trying to, well, you know, God is living with integrity, but because you protect Job's and his family and all his possession, so you have like a fence of protection. So he's well, uh, he has money, he has animals, he has houses, a lot of brothers, a lot of uh, children. So that's why Job is honoring you. But if you take away that from Job, Job will curse you in your face. So that conversation is happening in heaven. Um, chapter 1, God says to, to Satan, okay, you can go. You can take away everything, but you cannot touch him. So think about that. Satan is asking God, let me take everything from Job. And God say, okay, go. But you cannot touch him. Chapter 1. And in one day, in only one day, Job lose everything. His children die. Walls come upon them. Smash them, basically. People take away his animals. Uh, there is uh, wind coming from, from the east, I think. So he lost everything in one single day. The Bible says that this messenger is coming to tell Job, well, I was with the animals, and these guys came and take all, took all the animals, and he hasn't finished speaking. That's the Bible saying, and other messenger came with another bad news, and then, then other messenger with other bad news until the final messenger comes and says, or your children die. But Job fell on his knees and praised God in that moment. So we would say, well, that's enough. But chapter 2 comes. In chapter 2, it's the same the, the, in the scenario. So meeting in heaven, the devil approached God and say, well, you, you allow me to touch Job like that, like that because God is telling Satan, you see, Job, you, you move me to allow you to touch him. But even though he's still living with integrity, that's crazy. And the devil says, well, skin by skin, that's in Spanish, I don't know in English, but it's like, well, you didn't allow me to touch his health, but allow me to bring sickness, and you will see how it will curse you in your face. And God say, okay, go, but do not kill him. And that's what happened. So now Job is totally living in poorness, no health, sitting in the middle of the ashes, scratching his back with a piece of wood from his 
former uh, roof. And that's what's happening. This is after this. Every tear has a story. Every person, every story has a beginning. So let us take the time to make sure we understand what's going on in one people's life before providing any counseling, before rebuking, before saying, well, this is what you have to do. Let's take the time to listen. Let's take the time to understand. Because there are moments when people is suffering and what they need is to be here. And think about Job's because we know, because we have the Bible. So we know that was a conversation in heaven. We know that Satan was over there. We know everything. But Job has no clue. In Job's perspective, he woke up one day, and you might identify yourself to this. I can identify myself with this. I was going through a... Deep depression in December. I stopped preaching for four Sundays. I couldn't preach. I said, I, I, I cannot continue doing this. One day you woke up, and you think it's going to be another great day. You are serving the Lord. You are loving your spouse. You are loving your children. You are faithful in your work, whatever you are doing. And you go back to bed that night, and you sit in the bed, and you say, this can't be true. I can't believe this happened today. Out of the blue. How come? You were not expecting that. You are going to the doctor's office just to a regular uh, check for every year you do that. And you are expecting the doctor to say, well, let's eat a little less hamburger. <laughs> so you, you, you are like, okay, this is just another appointment in my schedule for today. So at 2, I will visit the doctor. At 3, I will meet you for coffee. But guess what? It's 5 o'clock. You are still with the doctor because he has something to tell you. And you are calling your wife or your spouse, bring my suitcase. They are checking me in. How come? What happened here? You were not expecting that. Yesterday, you signed the mortgage for your new brand house. You're happy because you are doing good at job. Monday, they call you to human resources office and say, we have to let you go. What are they going to do? That's life. In this falling world, and that's what is allowing us, Job, Job is allowing us to see. So let's move forward because the lack of, for the sake of time. Verses 2 through 25 in chapter 3 show us a bare heart. Basically, we can't divide, or the text is divided in two. So chapter, uh, verses 3 through 10, Job basically is cursing the day he was born. Everything we read in that text, we won't read it again because of the sake of time. But Job is cursing the day he was born. One important thing is that Job is not cursing God. He's cursing the day he was born. He is never cursing God. So that's, that's very important to keep in mind. He's cursing the day he was born. And that's not something that we want to say, Lord, this is so great. No, it's not something we want to hear in anybody's mouth, especially our dear brothers and sisters. But he's cursing the day he was born. And then, starting in verse 11, he wished to die. He's wishing to die. Basically, what the Bible is saying from... 11 through 25 is Job wishing to die. If you go with me just to have all this crystal clear, chapter, uh, verse 26, verse, uh, Job says, I'm not at ease, nor I am quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. But he is speaking in um, verse 20, why is light given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter in soul who long for death, but it comes not. So Job basically saying, I want to die. This is too much. I cannot handle it. Lord, this is beyond my capacity. I, I don't have a clue how I'm going to continue. Um, and Job is allowing us to say that sometimes it's right to, to express our feelings. So basically what Job is doing here is 
it's okay to bear our hearts and until, okay, I feel like I don't have the strength to take another step. There are days when I don't have the strength to get off the bed. There are days when some, sometimes we are just wishing during the, during the day that the night comes, and when you are in the night, you just want for the morning to come, and you find no peace. Because there are times when these fallen words remember us that we are living in it. And it's so hard. But this passage is so beautiful because it allows us to see that it's okay to express our feelings. One of the most amazing aspects of this chapter, this book, the entire book, because if you do the work, I, I, I would encourage you to continue reading the whole book of Job from chapter 3 until chapter 38, you will be seeing the same scene, the same scenario. Job is complaining. Job is like, this is too much. And the friends are like, no, you are not supposed to be talking like that. So you go to chapter 42 where God say, Job was right. And you were not. Speaking to the friends. But it's allowing us to see that when we express our true feelings in the midst of our sorrows and troubles, that do not cause God to feel fear or anger with us. And that's something amazing. Because as the clown, sometimes we believe we have to be showing up in the church and saying, oh, I'm doing good. And maybe people is asking, how do you feel? I, I hear that you are going through some sickness, serial sickness. God's sovereign. So that's okay, brothers. Let's continue with the meeting. But that's not what it, this text is allowing us to see. It's okay. And, and, and one of the most incredible thing is that Job wants to die, but he's not alone with that desire in the Bible. Other holy men in the Bible has expressed the same desire. You can think about the prophet Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19. You can see it in your house. He wants to die. He's so depressed after he has a big battle against the false prophets. And he's watching, he's witnessing how God is sending fire from heaven. He wants to die because he, 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 he received a threat from one evil queen, but he wants to die. And the Bible says that he basically says, I want to die. I don't want to continue with this. And he's not alone. Jeremiah, another holy man. In chapter 20, he's basically saying the same thing. He's cursing the day he was born, and he wants to die. And also Moses in the book of Numbers, when he's facing the reality of these big people that he's supposed to lead to the promised land, and he sees the difficulties, he tells to God, if this is the way you are planning to treat me, take my life. I don't want to do this. I don't want to continue with this task. Kill me, please. But so often we feel so guilty when we find ourselves thinking, Lord, take me. This is so hard. And I, I, I'm, I'm not speaking about the, these very sinful complainings we, we so often have. When we are complaining about food, oh, God, again, Chinese food, why, Lord, why, Chinese food again? I, I'm not, not speaking about that. Complaining like I was about the weather. Oh, again, it's cold. Oh, it's raining again. It's not that kind of complaining that can be sinful. We're speaking about the deep issues in life. And even if maybe you are listening to me and you say, I have not a clue what he's talking about. If you live enough in this earth, you will know it. Yeah. I'm not a prophet. I'm just a man. But you will know it because it's a falling world. It's a difficult place. It's a hostile world. So we will go to suffering one way or the other. So my question will be, why do we find so difficult to bear our hearts in the midst of affliction, especially in the church 
Why is it so difficult for people to say, I'm going through this, so I will provide some perspective from the same book? One, I believe we are afraid of what people might think about our spiritual life. So we don't want to tell the truth. We don't want to tell that I don't want to pray. I don't want to open my Bible. I don't want to go to the community group. I don't want to go on Sunday. Because what if they start thinking that I maybe I'm not even safe? I'm not mature enough. I'm going back to the war. So we, we are afraid of what people might think. Sometimes it's because we have a grown doctrinal understanding in aspects as, as joy, praising. So we, we tend to confuse joy, the joy of the Lord, with that smile in our face. And you can be crying and at the same time have the joy of the Lord still in your heart because that joy is leading you to consider about eternal life. But you can still struggle in this life. Sometimes we consider we struggle make a, 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 a mistake understanding praising. So we believe that praising is always, like, oh, God, you are so good. I love you so much. But sometimes just saying, God, I don't have strong strength to continue doing. I don't understand what you are doing, but you are God. That's praising. Sometimes that's the way we praise God. Just by saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. This is too much. Sometimes it's because of the well-meaning but misguided brethren in the local church. And I, I can identify myself as one of those guys. Because if you go back with me to chapter 2, verse 11, uh, uh, the Bible is pretty crystal clear in this idea of these three guys are really wanting to comfort Job. So these are not three guys who were always jealous and have a, a, a bad feelings, hard feelings against Job. So they find out that he's going through troubles. Oh, this is the time. Job, time to pay back. No. Let's read these verses uh, starting in uh, verse 11, chapter 2. Now. When Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz the Timonite, Bildad the Shushite, and so far the Namatite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. That was the intention. They, they intended for good. They have good on, uh, intentions in their own hearts. And... Verse 12, and when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept. And they, they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. So they have good, 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 good desires towards Job, but sometimes the, we can be misguided in our good desires. Very quick, if you can take a note, you can read it in your house. Job chapter 4 and chapter 5, basically what these guys are telling Job is, apply to yourself what you have teached to others. Apply to yourself what you have told to other people when they are suffering. So it's like... Um, well, you have preached it, but you don't put it on practice. So that's what they do. And that's something that is not helping a heart that is going through sufferings. In Job 5, verses 8 to 9, basically they say, Eliphaz is telling to Job, well, if I was you, and in this situation, I would go and pray before God. So what's he saying? Well, it's a lack of prayers, what has you in this sadness. And sometimes I've, I, I've been telling that to people suffering, and I've been hearing that from people who love me. Like, well, you need to pray more. I'm praying, but I'm still sad. And every time I open my mouth to pray, I feel more sadness, and I feel, God, why don't you answer my prayers? But we come to people, and it's a lack of prayer. Oh, brothers. Sometimes we, we, we just tell people, like 
really fast. Job 5, 17. Don't regard the discipline of God. And that's a theological truth. God brings discipline upon those who he saved. But even though that's true, that's not what Job needed to hear. So sometimes people are suffering in the church and we come, well, maybe it's a sin. And well, Lord, you have to accept God's blessing, but also God's discipline. So endure. Change your face. Smile. Raise up your arms. And praise God. Well, that's not helping. Others will tell people like these guys, Job 5, 18 to 26, well, I know this is bad, but God will bless you later. Please, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, it might be true. The book of Job finished ends with Job receiving a lot of blessings, but let me tell you, that's not always the case. There are brothers and sisters who finish their life in sickness. They never recover here. There are people who finish their life here broken, financially speaking. But even if the case is that God will bless more and more at the end, that doesn't provide comfort. Because I don't want to be blessed after. My problem is that I'm going through suffering now. So that won't bring comfort. Some people is like, well, it could be worse. Please. Yeah, it could be worse. But it could be nothing. Yes, it could be worse. And, and, and that's, that's a, a way we're trying to comfort people. Like, well, you are looking at the, the, the glass half empty instead of half full. Yeah, but it could be full. And it's half full. I don't know why. So that brings no comfort to my heart in this moment. Allow me to grieve. Allow me to tell it's half empty. There was another half that is not anymore. I don't know why. Chapter 6, we see theologians with no compassion. So Job in Verse 14 in chapter 6, basically he's saying, one should share or show compassion to those sufferings, but you, my friends, has bringing more burden on me. Sometimes our theology, which is true and solid and good, there are moments when what we are doing is bringing more burden on our people. So yes, we need the theology. But sometimes what people need is not theology, it's compassion. Just let me hug you. Let me be here, saying no words. It's better to say nothing than to say something that won't bring help. Okay? So Job is deciding. Chapter 3, verse 26, I'm not at ease, not in quiet, I have no rest, but trouble comes. So in Job's idea, in Job's mind, he basically is relating death with rest. So he is just wanting to die, not because to die is good, just to die, but because in his mind, dying allows man to find rest. That's what he is basically saying. Those who die are now resting. The slaves has no masters. The people who were persecuted is not being persecuted anymore. Those who have a lot of things to do, a lot of troubles to suffer, they are not having those troubles anymore because they are dead. But this question that will take you to our final point, a greater rest, how come, how come death itself could bring comfort? Or could bring rest to the man. Because if we go to the Bible, death is a fair judgment for our sins. It's the fair pay for our transgressions. So then how can death be at the same time a, a, a fair 
judgment, but at the same time provide comfort and rest. Well, I want to be very careful by saying this. But this is only true for true believers. And, and, and I want to even lower my voice because you might be around relatives, dear friends who are not Christians and they're about to die. And we tend to tell, well, he's resting now. It's not true. This is only true for Christians. This is only true for Jesus' followers. For those who are not in Christ, death will bring anything but rest. That's why I lower my voice. But if you are Christian, but if you are a truly Jesus follower, a truly Jesus disciple, you can find comfort that even though by God's grace you might not die today in the midst of your sorrows, one day you will die. And that day you will experience the greatest rest. You can even think about it. There is a promised land for us that is not in this earth. There is a heavenly city that is awaiting for us. There is a new life, eternal life with no pain, no suffering, no crying in heaven awaiting for us. That's reality. But then how, how can we make sure of that? And how can we like dealing with the suffering? How can I pr- approach God? I, I will speak for my own experience in that past weeks. How can I come to God and, 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 and approach Jesus if I am even struggling? I need the help of my wife to continue doing daily prayers. Well, let's go to Mark 14. Gospel of Mark 14, verses 32 through 34. You got it? And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Now go with me to Luke 22. Luke 22, I want you to go because you need to see this with your own eyes. Luke 22, verse 41, it's the same scenario, Gethsemane. 41 through 44, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, listen, this is Jesus praying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drop of blood falling down to the ground. This is Jesus. You know, even if sometimes in the church we we are still sinners, and you don't find somebody help you. You can go to Jesus because he suffered it. Because he was in agony and he was asking the Father, please, Father, remove this cup from me. He didn't want to go through that. Sometimes we believe that Jesus was so happily in the cross. That, that's not true. And here we have Jesus telling to his disciples, opening his heart, bearing his heart, I in deep agony. I'm stressed out. I feel like I'm dying in this moment. And even an angel is sent from heaven to comfort him, to strengthen him. He is God in the flesh. But in the flesh, he is suffering. He understands you when you go through sufferings. So you can go to your high priest. You can go to our beloved king who is not like, why are you crying in this moment? Didn't I save you? No, he goes like, I got you. I know. And maybe he won't remove the cup. The father didn't. But you can find comfort 
and you will know that he loves you even though you are going through so much agony. He won't reject you. He won't say, what kind of Christian are you? Just a few troubles and now you are acting like this. No. He will hold you fast. That's our God. You can go to him. So Jesus, in chapter 11 of Matthew, calls those who are heavy laden to come to him. So you can go to him. Any moment, you can go to him. He has a promised rest for you. So let every afflicted soul here find hope in that greater rest. Gavrif, the clown in the 18th century, he had no hope in the midst of his suffering. But we have access to the throne, to the throne of grace. Even when it seems like God abandoned you, even when the darkness seems to prevail, even when the pain intensifies every day, even when you have such a deep pain in your heart that even take a breath is hard for you, even when you do not understand what you are going through, even when the memories of what happened to you are constantly in your mind and hurt you again as if happening for the first time, even when the night terror stalks you, even when during the day you want for the night to come and during the night you want for the day to come even when you find no motive to keep laughing, laughing even when you don't have the strength to take another step I want you to take this to your house Jesus is preparing heavenly abode for you he will never leave you he will never forsake you so you can remove your mask and if needed cry this morning you can open and bear your heart before God and find comfort and may Trinity becomes a place where people can struggle. May our local churches become a place where people find comfort in the midst of their sorrowing. Let our God come for us and take us home. Let's pray. Father, thank you.